AI and SEO are so complementary of each other. Mm -hmm. I know when it was first coming out, it was this AI going to kill SEO. You know, it's, you know, SEO is dead. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, anyone who wanna learn more about content marketing. Welcome. Today, it's important to know what to do, how to go ahead, because we have AI. Many things change. We need to consider. We need to adapt. But it's our job, marketers <laughs> and marketers on TV and radio didn't lose their jobs. They adapted to digital. Today we need to adapt to AI. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Vanessa Harton. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Looking forward to learn more about AI. The last time I speak with ChatGPT more often than with my wife. I don't know why. <laughs> I ask a lot of questions and I love this tool. I always search for the way how to improve results that we have. Vanessa, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I am what I would call myself a career content marketer. So one of the few that really got in on the ground floor when it was brand new. I, I still recall being fresh out of university and my boss at the time sliding an article across my desk that said, get content, get customers. And by God, ever since he done that, I've been just on that content marketing career path. And it is just a, a practice that I love. I enjoy combining you know, the behavioral science with data and analytics and, you know, being able to, you know, really get content out in the right channels, in the right hands, pushing the right, uh, right priority. So that's really what I'm all, all about. Oh, love it. Awesome. Awesome. And you mentioned your boss told you create more content and get more customers. Let's unite both because I often see when companies chase high volume uh, or other value metrics that don't help to sell, for example, uh, likes, comments on social media. And uh, I remember I posted many times when I got million views, but uh, I didn't get sales. <laughs> so uh, I think it's important to think more about customer journey, about sales funnel. Can you tell how to do it, how to create this sales funnel and create content that will bring sales in the end? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the most um, impactful way that I found doing this is creating a more value first approach. So taking that value based content, and this is especially true for the B2B audience, you know, typically that's, you know, where I've been working in my career and with B2B stakes are high. If you choose the wrong solution to power your business, unfortunately, that can sometimes mean your job if it's not the right choice. So there's a lot involved with the B2B buyer. They do a lot of investigating to really thoroughly understand any solution before they take that step forward. So 
by understanding very much so, you know, your ICP and what their challenges are and what they're looking to solve. That's where it's really a sweet spot and you can identify across your different buyers some commonalities that they have and the challenges that they face. And you can use these commonalities to build a messaging framework that will fuel campaigns, content, social posts, events, podcasts, everything. And it will really ensure that what it is that you're creating ties into exactly how you're helping solve their challenges and, you know, helping them also progress in their career, because ultimately who doesn't want to get that promotion and, you know, work their way up that corporate ladder and, you know, get recognized also for all their hard work and knowing that we understand, you know, as a business, the challenges that they they face. And this also ties in beautifully with SEO because you're able to index on a lot of those keywords that they're looking for. So when they're trying to figure out, oh, you know, how am I going to remedy this problem of working eight extra hours? How can I automate these things? How can I help, you know, reduce my workload? That's, you know, where you can pull in those keywords, of course, build your content around that so that when they start searching online, they're finding your content and tied to the value that you're able to provide concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory ah uh, i decided to show this short clip because of focusing um, you mentioned many types of content mm-hmm. i want to create all content in the world but i have limited resources <laughs> i often use only two hands <laughs> no, nothing else <laughs> to create content i, I want to film i want to write want to record podcast but i have only 24 hours a day and sometimes i need to sleep a little bit and to spend time with my family <laughs> other hobbies so uh, i want to ask about focusing can you tell how to focus and choose the right channel you mentioned a few channels and for example i remember mr beast uh, posted content on youtube for 18 months to get the first uh, thousand subscribers he didn't write blog post. I'm not sure he can write today this blog post. <laughs> he pays attention to the channel that provide results. So tell how to focus and choose the right channel. Mm-hmm. So of course, as with most things, you know, it really starts with understanding your audience. So where are they going? Where are they consuming content? What's their preferred channel? And once you understand that, that's really where you can put We'll say not not all your be- not all your eggs, but most of your eggs in that one basket, um, so that you're really focusing on the channels that are going to drive revenue for you. And you know, the one thing I will note is that you know when you're looking at where you're going to be building your property, having a more owned digital property, you know, like your website, like your blog, your company blog that you build, you know, that can really be more beneficial in terms of garnering the insights analytics data on your audience, how they're behaving, how they're consuming that content. So by having that one place, almost that one-stop shop for your your buyers and for your audience to go and get that, you know, consumable content on a regular basis, it's going to, you know, not only just help, you know, with your search engine rankings and, you know, all the SEO juice and all that good stuff that goes with that, it's also going to make it really easy for your buyers to know that they're going to a valuable source and every time they get there, they're going to find the content that they need. And then again, it's an environment that you can really custom tailor to meet your needs and the needs of your buyers, you know, because of course, 
LinkedIn is great, but LinkedIn is, uh, they're looking out for LinkedIn and they've got uh, quite a few algorithm changes that happen on the regular. So keeping up with that in itself is a task and a half. So by having something that you own as a corporate entity, again, it gives you that ownership. It gives you that autonomy to be able to you know, augment the audience, augment the content as you see fit and as your audience dictates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. Love it. But still, I have questions about uh, loving uh, specific channels. Because, for example, um, I met a few clients who told me, uh, for example, their audience on Instagram, but uh, they don't like this channel. For example, my wife can spend all day on Instagram. That's okay. I can't. <laughs> If you ask me, I, I, I can spend uh, a few minutes there. I don't know what to do, you know, to scroll these pictures. Probably, probably it works for, not probably, it works for a billion people, but it's not my channel. And can you tell what to do for content creators who have channels? Uh, I don't know, like YouTube, like Instagram, like TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, but they don't like uh format because i often see people who can write uh, trying to film videos but for me it's better to pay attention to your strong side you know to write if you can write great text it's better to do it you know to adapt your skills to specific channels can you tell or advise us what to do <laughs> yeah absolutely so you know to your point if it's almost like uh you know i've always been told that if you try to force funny it's never funny So yeah. if, if you're a great writer and you're trying to force being comfortable on video, it, it's, it's going to come off awkward. You know, you got, got to really play to your strengths and understand. Now, that being said, there are ways that you can potentially circumvent. So let's say if you're someone who's not comfortable on video, perhaps it's doing more of a voiceover instead. Um, you know, if you're someone who's not comfortable with social media, posting on social, consuming, you know, content on social media, you know, potentially it's, you know, focusing more on driving that audience back to another property, but really, you know, knowing where your strengths lie and also seeing how your customers and, and prospects are engaging with that content as well, because while you might feel like you're not doing a great job on video, you could potentially even see those metrics. You know, an example of this um, that I have more recently is with, you know, one of our own company uh, C-suite members doesn't want to, doesn't want to be the guy, doesn't want to be the one who's up in the limelight. He's very humble, you know, much more about making sure his employees are, are amplified because he's awesome. But, you know, there are instances where having him and having his face present and having him on videos posting photos of him across our social media networks, it garners a lot of engagement, a lot of interaction. And, you know, even though he might, you know, get the ick and not feel great <laughs> when he's doing it, the results really, you know, speak for themselves. So it's a, a little bit of a, you know, push your com comfort zone and, and see, you know, again, what your audience is, has an appetite for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Love it, love it. Uh, I want to ask about something that mr beast has because i mentioned about him uh, he has patience so he couldn't get results uh, after 18 months he got only thousand subscribers today he has uh, plus 100 million if i remember correctly like plus 180 million subscribers a lot um, the same with pewdiepie uh, he filmed uh, 100 videos to get 
285 subscribers today he has uh, plus 100 million as well high engagement and um, why i uh, share these examples because uh, i often see when content creators lose patience uh, and uh, uh, according to data uh, most audio podcasters don't record more than eight episodes because they can't get results uh, with the first eight episodes for me i don't know how to do it i, I recorded plus 600 episodes with neil patel and fishkin many great experts but i have no idea how to get results after <laughs> eight episodes can you tell about patience for example i have my strategy i need to go ahead but most content creators give up burn out and uh, leave it so tell how to go ahead without giving up <laughs> well outside of you know doing some self-motivational talk in the mirror in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i would say you know really it's you know similar to and, and of course this is not let me asterisk this is not financial advice but you know when you look at typical investment strategies it's long and strong right they're they're planning for that long haul it's the you know the day traders that are the ones that take the biggest risk so by planning out that far and beyond and knowing that it's going to be a process you know nothing great happens overnight we all know that of course you know google's continuing to index a lot of our content you know we've got ai now crawling all of our content so it's gonna take some time for it to start to surface potentially to start to get in front of the right audience and you know by continuing that path and that march forward what i've seen you know in in my career is typically there's a tipping point and you can start to feel it coming because you start to see first your competitors watching your content and consuming your content then it's typically the customers and then it goes to the prospects and once that happens, it just, it takes off. Um, and it's, you know, something I've been fortunate enough to, to experience is something that on our end, we're starting to experience now with our own video series uh, that we're creating. And it, it can be just so deflating when you are posting, creating, you think it's the bomb, you're getting it out there and you're just not seeing that traction, but it is such a game of, yeah, it's patience and just, knowing that by continuing to put out content that resonates with your audience that speaks to that key demographic all good things will come yeah nice uh, i got the best advice about that uh, in one book uh, the offer of this book uh, share a story when another book offer uh, wrote a letter and asked for advice because he couldn't sell his books for a long time and he suffered a lot he tried many methods uh, and asked for expert opinions and most advice were like uh, perseverance patience but he suffered and <coughs> she replied to him leave it find something else it's not for you <laughs> you know for example i love playing basketball nobody mm -hmm. pays me for my hobby it's my hobby you need to enjoy the process. If you don't enjoy, leave it. It's not bad idea if you give up. I, I gave up with many projects because I didn't enjoy the process. <laughs> it's not yeah. about money. It's more about loving what you do. Yeah, the mm -hmm. best thing ever. You know, if you 
can post content on Instagram and without results for a long time. And I spoke with some great content creators who couldn't get results uh, a few years. But mm -hmm. they didn't give up. <laughs> it's just created content. So, Vanessa, I want to ask about call to action. Can you tell how to submit this call to action to content marketing? Oh, can you explain a little bit further on what you mean there? <clears throat> I mean, like, for example, uh, content marketing, it's more about sharing value, info yeah. content. But sometimes we need to add call to action. Can you tell how to do it right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that is an element where really it's, you know, you build your audience by building that trust, that rapport. They're coming to you for that re reliable source of content and insights. And then, you know, as you work them through that journey and they start to understand, okay, so there is a solve for my problem. This is how some other people have done it. One of those ways just so happens to be a solution that you offer from your company. And, you know, really, as you're building that net new audience, that is something that you don't want to push on the forefront. That's, you know, I've, I've heard the example many times of going on a date, you know, you don't want to propose to someone on the yeah. first date, much as like, you don't want to ask someone for to purchase your product when they've just read a blog. But of course, you know, working with other, you know, team members across marketing, being able to, to track that buyer as they work their way down that funnel, you can start connecting the dots for them to show you exactly how it is that your solution can help solve their challenges that they're facing. And, you know, also potentially connect them with your community as well so that they get some firsthand um, engagement with current customers, which is something that is, you know, wildly successful, especially today, you know, as much as, you know, AI and the, you know, creation of content with AI tools is huge for, for marketing. And if you're not using that, well, where have you been? Um, but, you know, being able to still add that human touch by connecting them with existing customers, by showing them that you have a community, engaging them again, you know, with your sales team, with your, you know, solutions team um, to see that there's a face behind, you know, all the content they've been reading and consuming and product tours that they've been, you know, as a part of, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all humans. We want to connect with other people. It's it's in our nature. So yeah. uh, I think that, yeah, opening that door um, to your community, having your customers speak for you, and then also connecting, you know, how the the challenges that they face can be solved with resources. One of them just happens to be your solution. It makes it a much easier bridge to cross. And then they have all of that, you know, past relationship, so to speak, that they can draw on to say, hey, well, I did see they had this blog. It performed really well. It really answered a lot of the questions that I had. So they've got almost that existing rapport that they bring to those down funnel conversations and to when they're considering whether or not they're going to go forward with your solution. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Vanessa, you shared about AI. I can't live without this tool today. <laughs> I create <laughs> almost all content by using AI, but I... Uh, also learn my struggles and I see why content creators complain about AI because it's not creative, nothing special, just rewriting tool. Yes, it's rewriting tool. I agree with them, <laughs> but you need to use it smart. It's not golden button. Just click it and get all the results. Mm -hmm. Can you tell how to use AI to stay creative, to have something new, valuable uh, with human touch? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are two ways that I've seen this just 
be so successful in terms of, you know, stemming those creative thoughts and, you know, being able to, to create content. And first is leveraging, you know, tools like ChatGPT for research. You know, it's that, that functionality of saying, you know, Hey, if I were a enter target buyer person, how would I think about this? What are some of the challenges I might face? And that is so, so helpful for, you know, generating topic ideas, knowing what you're going to put forward, really understanding um, your buyer and your audience. Because again, right, you need to know them through and through before you can create content that's really going to resonate with them. So by using, you know, tools like ChatGPT to conduct that research, as you're going through, it can uncover things that you had never even thought of, that had not, not even crossed a thought in your mind. So that is one great way um, that we use it today to really help inform some of the content that we have coming up, uncover some of those hidden gems that we hadn't initially thought of. And then with other generative content uh, tools, you know, there's some out there now that, of course, you can use for creating different creatives and imagery. Um, a lot of those tools I found do have, you know, some little, you know, copyright, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll say stipulations there. But that doesn't mean that you can't still use those to help brainstorm and to think of ideas and even to help with things like event planning. So something that, you know, is we'll say on, on the on the cusp of, you know, content marketing. But as you think of, you know, the content that's going to be fueling your different events, you can also use different AI tools to even envision how they would look on center stage so that you have, you know, an idea of, oh, here's how this video is going to show up. And, um, you know, it's really great for that ideation. And again, for coming up with things that you might not even have thought of, you know, a lot of the times in our jobs, I know for myself, it's often meeting to, to meeting to meeting to reviewing content to another meeting, review more content, get to mm -hmm. another meeting. So there's not always that time, you know, to sit and just have that, you know, creative brainstorm. And, you know, sometimes you just need to get something done quickly um, or even to better demonstrate an idea that you have, you know, instead of saying, hey, let me sketch this out for you on the whiteboard and the whole team is subject to your stickman drawing, you could potentially jump into an AI tool and it can ideate it for you. And then you have something a little bit more tangible to share with people so they can see exactly what you're thinking in your mind. Yeah, nice. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Uh Vanessa, I want to ask about uh, writing prompts. Uh, you know, for example, if you ask me to create content about accounting, I can't. I tried a few times to do it, you know, to write about topics that I don't understand, that mm -hmm. I don't spend so much time, and I, I get uh, only generic content. And I think that is why uh, experts can beat in one side. Uh, uh, just uh, writers, copywriters who have no idea about topics because they can write, write prompts, they can uh, edit, uh, getting results. It's not like to write even write prompts. You need to check if, if it's uh, accurate because AI can mislead. Uh, can you tell about importance of experience? Uh, because we have this parameter on Google, EEAT, uh, experience expert authority trust. So uh, mm -hmm. your tips about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've actually been finding that 
when it comes to experience, AI and SEO are so complementary of each other. Mm -hmm. now, I know when it w was first coming out, it was this AI ah. is gonna kill SEO. You know, it's you know SEO is dead. Forget SEO. We're all about AI now. Um, but that's truly not the case. They really work together to help create those better experiences and to make sure that. You know, when when your audience is visiting your website, consuming your content, you know, it is the right experience for them. All the right pieces are there. Um, and so by using, you know, different AI tools, you can, you know, there's so many generators now these days that you can throw, you know, almost your web page or anything in there to say, you know, can you give me, you know, feedback on how you would better optimize this page or, you know, so they almost go AI and SEO almost go yin and yang together to help deliver that optimal experience to you know your audience and it's um it really helps helps also expedite that process because before it would be you know okay let's launch it launch this page is it you know optimized yes and then you would go and you would sit and you would wait mm -hmm. and you would wait for people to come and you would yeah. see how they would engage what yeah. they would do what are they clicking but you can really circumvent a lot of that process by leveraging an ai tool and, you know, providing it with your content and to your, you know, comment around prompts, I've found the best way to work with AI tools is to ask it what it needs. Well, you know, I want to create this blog on XYZ. I want to create a web page on ABC. What mm -hmm. do you need to know to do nice. this? And it'll <laughs> tell you. It's that easy. It's so simple to use. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, Vanessa, you mentioned about the process. I want to share my process that was many years ago. I think I started my digital journey in 2008 and I have a team of jack of all trades um, specialists who um, and all of them could uh, create a content plan, uh, write, uh, edit, submit, uh promote uh, basically one person could do everything uh and i gave them topics about i don't know like how to learn french um this uh, people could write about this topic submit google rank well everything looks fine today i fired this team google helped me to do it uh, and uh, and today we cooperate with experts who know the topic but uh, we have people who can find keywords or topics. Uh, we can uh, cooperate with people who have experience, uh, can create something new, unique, valuable. Then uh, we uh, optimize with editors. Uh, then we um, uh, ask designers to draw some pictures. Uh, uh, then we cooperate with web developers, uh, content managers. So a huge team. You know, tell about your process. I'm interested how you optimize the process because uh, if you create content today, you need to cooperate with team of experts who can do it. So any tips how to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the first would be, it sounds so simple when you say it, but often it gets skipped over. Is start with the end in mind. So. Where do we want to get to and exactly you know how are we going to get there and that will help distill who needs to be involved in the process and you know at what point from there then something that i have found hugely beneficial that has significantly reduced 
our time to market in terms of content is, again, is one of those things that sounds so simple, but having that you know, set of, you know, racy, those rules and responsibilities so that, you know, when you kick off the project, this is exactly what that person's doing. Here's what the expectations are from this person. And we also have that set for different types of content. So within our team, and we've got a pretty, pretty healthy sized team uh, here, thankfully. Uh, and, you know, there's, they're juggling a lot of different projects at once. So for each different, you know, project piece of content saying, this is who's in charge of this, you know, here's who's going to give sign off. Here's where we're going to get the assets from. It really helps eliminate that back and forth, the questions or confusions of who needs to, to review this. The, the I call them the rogue reviewers, the people who just, you know, come in at the 11th hour and say, why haven't I seen this? And then you can you know say, well, here's the project plan. And if you want to get involved in the next project, we're happy to include you there. But for this one, here's what we're focused on. And then that way, you know, we're able to really just set the ground rules up front and then go and they're off and you know they're great with you know creating that and then understanding the different workflows and processes there which can take a lot up front especially you know if it's you're inheriting you know a team where maybe some of the processes were broken um you know digging into that understanding exactly where there's hang-ups where you know some things are getting stuck in that process can really help um again inform how you're going to structure things going forward and then again just having all those checks and balances in place so that it's easy peasy to just go through and say was this done yes no what needs to get done versus what are we doing again uh which happens yeah more often than not if you don't have it set up right at the beginning so that's how i've really helped expedite uh getting content out to market on our end nice nice yeah i like your process uh, but still i want to know more about control you know for example i cooperate with great content creators who mm -hmm. can post content on Forbes, on Bloomberg, Investopedia, um, great specialists, uh, and they proved skills, knowledge, uh, uh, some of their content can earn like hundred uh, K traffic, you know, from Google. Uh, and what I found after launching ChatGPT, all of them use ChatGPT, all of them, without any exception, they use it and I need to control this process. And uh, even these people uh, can cheat the system now. Uh, and for me, it's better to control because I need to get high quality content. Can mm. you tell your methods how to control uh, getting results that it's quality, uh, helpful, much better than competitors have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so first it would be having a strong editor to mm -hmm. go through with that fine tooth comb. I'm very fortunate that I have very strong, you know, editors on, on my team, but also, you know, that does, it doesn't have to stop there. You know, tools like, um, you know, Grammarly and, you know, other AI tools are, that are becoming much more sophisticated to a, you know, help make sure that things, you know, before they go out the door, they're good to go, you know, in terms of a spelling or grammatic point of view. Now, for the actual content itself and making sure that it's high quality, what I have found, again, that is just such a tremendous value add is sharing with that con sharing that content early with your customers or your community, you know, if you have a community existing. And, you know, that will do a few things for you. One, it's going to make them feel 
pretty special that they're getting exclusive access to this content and that you're asking for their input on it. So you're positioning them, you know, as the expertise. And so that's just, I mean, who doesn't want to be called an expert, right? <laughs> so being able to, you know, share that with them and that experience with them creates that really great rapport. Um, and then it also, what it can do is, you know, if you ask them for their feedback on it, two things. One, it's going to help you refine that content, make sure it's actually going to resonate with your exact target audience, because that's who you're sharing it with before you're releasing it to the masses. And that way you can make sure that all the content is updated. It's reflective of their feedback. It's sound, you know, you're not saying anything too crazy. Um, and it's accurate and actually resonates with them. But then it also gives you the opportunity to work hand in hand with your customers to secure some quotes from them, maybe some testimonials that they're open to sharing to say, you know, hey, I found this ebook, you know, really helpful in doing X, Y, Z. And then you have material that you can leverage for promotion. And it's got that social proof in it. So it's, you know, actual people that are just like, you know, the, your target audience. It's them saying, yeah, this is actually going to help, you know, and I know from my end, as a content marketer, if there's someone out there who is also a content marketer and they say, hey, you got to pay attention to this piece of content. It's really helpful. I'm downloading that. I'm reading it. So it's a great way to really ensure, you know, your content is accurate. Everything is great, you know, and then especially, too, if you've got a sub subject matter expert, it's a great way for, you know, to feed that feedback back to them to say, hey, this is really interesting that you pulled together here's what I'm hearing from customers. What, what's your thought on this? And that can even help, you know, inform future content that you create to say, hey, we started, you know, with this aspect, we talked to our customers, they revealed that there's, you know, actually all these other elements that we haven't explored yet. So let's explore that. And then it creates them as part of that content as well. So it just solidifies that community and, you know, that personal touch as well. And, you know, gets get some skin in the game from their end. So that's also creating an environment where they're more likely going to be sharing that on social because they can say, hey, I reviewed this content and said it was great. Check it out for yourselves. Let me know what you think. So they've uh, yeah, they got some skin in the game. Mm, yeah, interesting. I know book, book offers usually do it. They mm -hmm. send their books to other book offers to get their reviews. <laughs> so yeah, yeah interesting yeah. about common content because i usually don't do it because uh, uh if i share my content i mean like my own content with my audience uh, before publishing i think uh the results will be low you know because uh, <laughs> when people knew about your content uh, yeah they're not interested to engage one more time but yeah i think if it's limited audience yeah it works mm -hmm. why not if you just share with experts and i know some bloggers can ask other experts to submit quotes on content to make mm -hmm. more legitimate yeah interesting uh, vanessa i want to ask about mistakes you know <laughs> in marketing we do a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. i personally made a lot of mistakes some of them terrible but i keep doing them you know i don't know another <laughs> way how to learn so tell what kind of mistakes we can avoid for example we some mistakes we need to do but some mistakes we can avoid so common mistakes that content marketers still do in your uh, experience Ooh, great question i would say common mistake is and you know what something that even i'm guilty of i'll admit is <laughs> 
really uh, relying heavily on PDFs. So while there has been, of course, some you know progress in terms of you know the ability to crawl PDFs, there's still just not a great way to to consume content and taking that out of that format and making it more you know web page based instead is just going to of course help more with your SEO and you know make it a lot more consumable for your readers and there's a lot more that you can do there's a lot more interaction that you can create on a web page than you can on a static asset so and you know as i say this if anyone's going and googling you know Vanessa Hartung at Verisant they're going to the website they're seeing we got pdfs it is on the list <laughs> so that is something that we are working towards converting but that's definitely a big one. And then another I would say is, you know, something that I still see today that has me really scratching my head is, you know, steering away from steering away from social. There seems to be, you know, it, we're getting there, but there's still a concern around what gets posted on social media, who's consuming it, who gets to post what. You know, especially at larger organizations, um, there's a lot of red tape and social media is something that is so timely and you need to, you know, strike while the iron is hot or else the moment is passed. Uh, so by having those, you know, conversations beforehand with your executives team so that they know, you know, what the intent is and try to, you know, help calm any fears that are there, reservations around leveraging that plat those platforms um, will definitely help. And for a last one, I would say really it's putting, not putting video as a more top priority. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of hesitation around putting something out there that isn't completely like to the T edited it's got all the effects it's got all the right you know coloring it's got the right music to go with it it's really more about just getting that information out there getting in front of your audience and yeah sometimes it might be a little bit raw and rough around the edges but as long as the actual content of it is you know relatable and resonates with the audience get it out the door get it out there in front of people and then that's also a way to see you know if you're focusing more on doing it fast versus doing it perfect, you can start getting those early indicators. And if it's a video you put out there and you start seeing people really engaging with it, then you can stop and say, oh, okay, this is something the audience really loves. Let's focus in on this. Maybe make it a series, maybe make it a fully baked animated motion picture type <laughs> of cinematic appeal. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, I'm seeing a lot more hesitancy around video than, than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Video content wins a lot of engagement. Mm -hmm. And if you have no experience, take your phone, <laughs> start filming, you know. Yeah. <laughs> film a video every single day, you know. And mm -hmm. I like this advice uh, from Mr. Beast. He told you need to film a hundred bad videos. Film a hundred bad videos, terrible videos, but improve a little bit step by step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can acquire experience. You can find the way how to do it better step by step because mm -hmm. you can learn a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, best practices, advice, tips. But if you don't do it, you can't get any results. You need to practice more than to learn. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah. You can read all the best practice articles you want, but nothing beats actually getting in there and doing it and learning from that firsthand experience. Yeah. Nice. And Vanessa, I want to ask about your experience. What I found that I usually get great results with clients uh, who understand what I do. For example, I can help with SEO. I can help with other digital marketing channels. But if potential customers don't understand, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, go to YouTube, go to Google, find loving books. Uh, it doesn't matter. Format of content, just learn. Get the basic. If you know the basic, you can cooperate with uh, anyone. You know, you can cooperate with uh, experts. You can do yourself because you know where to go, how to do it. Uh, I want to ask you if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. Forget about your rewards. Uh, I know you got uh, four times uh, content <laughs> uh, marketing rewards. So forget about them. It's your first day in content marketing. You mm -hmm. didn't do anything in your life, but you want to learn to become an expert in one day and get all these rewards. What will you do if you started from scratch? I would go to content marketing world, mm -hmm. not just the conference, but the website, also the conference. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely content marketing world is that one it's that one-stop shop for me. It's where I go for all the most you know, recent content and, and best practices and insights and competitor insights. What are people doing? What's the trends? What's happening with SEO? What's happening with AI? <laughs> that is truly, you know, the one place I go to, um, you know, Joe Paluzzi and uh, Robert Rose, you know, are the two, you know, initial founders of um, Content Marketing Institute. And they have, again, they've been really just driving it home you know that that article that i mentioned at the top of uh top of the hour around you know the article on get customers get you know get get content get customers that was written by joe pelusi who ended up founding the content marketing institute and so they've been in it for for a while so that's really truly you know where i start my search and where i start learning about content marketing for the first time should i ever go back yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah joe pelusi is a big name and I remember Seth Godin said that uh, content marketing is one marketing left. So <laughs> no, today you can't uh, get results without sharing value first. So you need to mm -hmm. provide this value. And uh, I see when content creators complain that SEO takes time. But I don't know channels that uh, don't ask about the time. You, how to become an Instagram star for overnight you can't it takes time years you know yes <laughs> on linkedin on TikTok, everywhere it takes time to get skills uh to get experience because you're not alone many other content creators that wanna get the first place <laughs> and vanessa i have my final question about the future mm -hmm. i wanna ask you take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be we have ai today Apple is going to launch uh, augmented reality mm -hmm. headset. We will see how it looks. But anyway, technologies are coming fast. So what kind of future will be in your vision uh, in content marketing? I think that we're going to come full circle almost. And that 
human created content and experiences are going to become almost like a performative art. And it's, it's going to become unique again to say, Hey, this person, you know, created, you know, this video series, this experience and really, you know, having that, um, yeah, almost like that performative element to it again. You know, I was talking the other day, uh, with one of our designers who does, you know, things like calligraphy on the side and there's an AI tool that does that now, but what an AI tool can't do is sit at, you know, let's say a local fair and write out someone's name right, you know, in front of them in that, you know, moment of experience and they can see it. So I think that what's going to happen is, you know, AI and, um, you know, content creation with AI, it's going to keep going. It's going to get bigger. There's going to be a lot more, just like when we saw with the, you know, first, um, you know, launch of you know seo there was a bit of resistance at first but then it was you know everyone was all in there was all kinds of articles that were created almost a little bit of a flood of the market so i think that we're going to see almost that that boom and then a little bit of a culling to happen to say okay now that we all know we've all learned this new technology together we've learned how to best leverage it now let's use it more strategically so it's going to be that strategic use of ai with that little touch of a human element for that uh, that extra engagement, that extra, you know, resonating with your audience and showing that there's the person behind that AI tool to create all the content as well. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Vanessa, it's a big pleasure to get in my show. I love this experience. Uh, I'm going to listen this episode one more time on my podcast because I don't want to lose any valuable bombs that you share on my podcast. <laughs> Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Best way is on my LinkedIn. That's pretty much where I live and breathe. So you can reach out to me there. Okay, guys, you can find the link in, in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Vanessa on LinkedIn. I follow. I know it's valuable. I need more valuable insights. So I recommend to anyone to do it as well. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.